And so he told me all about this. He showed me the facility that they have at the school, which was small, but very state-of-the-art digital audio recording technology for 1993. It was very state-of-the-art. And uh, I was like, ooh, this is cool. And uh, so I started realizing this is where I should be. I should be in the recording department, but they didn't have one. They had a music school. That means I have to audition and get into music school if I want to study recording. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my conversation with George Whittem. My next guest has served the technical needs of VO actors since 2005. In 2017, he launched George the Tech, offering VO tech support, training, studio design, and audio processing templates. He's the co-host of the Pro Audio Suite podcast and co-host with Dan Leonard of VoiceOver Body Shop at VOBS.TV. His name is George Whittem, and if you have questions about audio, he's the guy to ask. We'll talk about what drew him to audio technology, acoustics, interfaces, and sound challenges. I always learn a ton every time I speak to him, and I'm sure you will too. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And if you're getting some value from listening, the best ways to show your support are to share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review. Both those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my conversation with George Whittem. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, Thanks for having such a great onboarding process. You're so organized (laughs) and planned and the checklist before the show starts. Uh, I'm so glad. I forwarded it to my other shows saying this is the way it should be done. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Making it easy is all, you know, that's what I want to do. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so thank you. Um, and the first question that I always ask is if you have an early memory of how sound moved you. I always, I like to get to the, the mm. background of how people got into what they are doing. And this is kind of one of those almost like very, very rudimentary, basic back when you were a kid questions that just kind of hits people in the feels. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. well, I mean, I would say the earliest time that sound moved me was, it moved me to fear. Oh, okay. Um, Because the earliest thing I remember hearing as a little kid, little, little kid, Mm -hmm. toddler, that scared the life out of me was fireworks. And being near uh, my folks, um, took me, and I don't remember if my brother was born yet, so mm-hmm. I was really little, maybe. But And then they took me to a fireworks show, and they found great parking uh, right next to all the emergency vehicles. They're like, wow, oh, what a great spot. Not realizing that they were parked probably within 100, 200 feet of the firing line. I don't know how this happened or why it happened, but whatever the case. So they were there watching, the, you know, we were there for the show and these things are blowing off right in front of us. And it mm-hmm. terrified me. 
Um, I don't blame you. That's um, loud. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that always triggered this, this fear of sudden loud noises and fireworks mm. in me. Even though I love fireworks, there's still a part of me that it just triggered. I can't stand really loud, sudden noises. It makes me, I feel like a dog, you know, afraid of loud sounds. Sure. Um, but that is one thing. I mean, when you're saying it moved me, that would really be the earliest thing I remember creating a, a lasting memory. Um, and yeah. moving me. But the the good thing that I remember was my dad loved um, everything. He loved being a ham radio operator doing radio in the basement. He loved audio recording and journalism recording, style recording like I always have. He had a Ewer reel-to-reel tape recorder, which was a German-made portable quarter-inch tape recorder. That was Impressive. the recorder's recorder um, yeah. at the time in the 60s. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I played with it all the time. And I think I played with it so much that my dad gave me my own cassette recorder because I was probably going to break the Ewer playing around with it. Yeah, as I broke he knew everything. what he needed to do. <laughs> yeah, I broke everything my dad had. You know, I just broke everything. Oh, so, no. um, so then I just remember recording myself and talking into that thing. And I remember my grandmother recording me and my brother. She did re- interviews of my brother and I as little, little kids. That was a thing with grandparents. Yeah, my grandfather had one of those little tiny handheld um, tape recorders. You remember the ones that had like the, the tape cassette. that were like this big? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. brought a micro cassette recorder to on a trip to Germany when I was 16. I wish yeah. I knew where those tapes were. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I love that. My grandmother had the little plastic microphone, you know, that plugged yeah. into the recorder and she yeah. would put it in front of us, you know. So yeah. those are my earliest memories of, of, of sound, recorded sound anyway. Yeah. So did that get you interested in recording sound on your own or for other people? <laughs> Is yeah, that where I would you, say for your sure. love of audio? Yeah. I was always uh, recording myself talking or making funny sounds or <laughs> recording music, uh, source, different sources. I learned kind of early-ish on that my own recordings of records and CDs sounded better than the store-bought cassettes. Interesting. Um, Why was that? Because cassettes are mass-produced in what was called a bin-looping process. So they uh-huh. had these huge machines that ran really long pieces of tape through them at very high speed, duplicating and duplicating and duplicating the same you know, tape source mm-hmm. over and over. And that high-speed duping process couldn't maintain the sound quality that you could do with your own cassette deck at home. So as a teenager, I, I eventually got a pretty decent cassette deck, and I started taping everything myself um, that I wanted to listen to while I in my Walkman or when I was in my later in my car. And um, so that was kind of the most recording I was probably doing. And at the same time, my dad bought a four-track, a Tascam Porta 01. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really cool because it was a four-track recorder with the mixer built into it, and it had D batteries, so it could be completely portable. And we would take it around in the field and record bluegrass groups and do field recording. So, yeah, there was a lot of early memories of recording lots of different sources and playing around, but none of it in any way was related to, in my mind anyway, voiceover. It was all just sound-gathering recording engineering technique and and just having really just having fun. Well, that's definitely learning in the process. I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to find that love for audio. But how yeah. did you get into the voiceover end of things? 
Well, that's a much longer discussion. <laughs> okay. <But, laughs> we have time. <laughs> I mean, I went to Virginia Tech. I went to Virginia Tech for electrical engineering. Yeah. Because I thought that was what I wanted to learn to do, which which is to actually design and make electronic audio. I wanted oh. I thought I was going to design and and make audio recording equipment. Like okay. that's what in my mind I thought I was going to do because my dad liked making things himself. No, nothing complicated, but he would fabricate um little projects, electronic projects for himself and others. And so I thought I was going to be doing that. Anyway, I had a miserable time as an engineer. It was far more difficult mathematically oriented work that uh, studying that I was prepared for. Oh, but I, luckily I feel I for you with the math. <laughs> it was brutal. I never forget Definitely. sitting in differential equations class, oh. like shaking my head, like, why am I here? And the guy saying, <laughs> Most of you guys aren't going to need this, but you electrical engineers are going to be using this all the time. And that's what I thought <laughs> I was studying. And I was like, oh, I'm in the wrong major. Wow. It was really okay. bad. So I also took an elective in music history at Virginia Tech. And the professor at the time, he was now long retired, but he um, was a very enthusiastic teacher, but also was a really, really into recording and used to record at the Aspen Conservatory of Music every summer um, in this program that they have there. And so he told me all about this. He showed me the facility that they have at the school, which was small, but very state-of-the-art digital audio recording technology for 1993. It was very state-of-the-art. And uh, I was like, ooh, this is cool. And uh, so I started realizing this is where I should be. I should be in the recording department, but they didn't have one. They had a music school. That means I have to audition and get into music school if I want to study recording which was a blessing in disguise. I didn't want to be a recorder. I didn't want to be a musician per se, but I had a trumpet playing background and I was able to get was able to get my way through the audition process and get into the school by the skin That's of impressive. my teeth. And um, as a trumpet player. And then, so I just studied music as necessary, as a necessary means to get more and more time in the recording studio and five and a half years later, I graduated from Virginia Tech with a degree in music and audio technology. Um, and uh, so I took that degree home with me to Pennsylvania and started a remote recording studio in a truck. It was an okay. old camper RV called the Eldorado. It literally said Eldorado on the front. <laughs> and uh, that's where the name of my first company came from, Eldorado mm -hmm. Recording Services. So I started doing remote recording with this truck that my dad and I outfitted with DA88 multi-track digital tape recorders. I love that your dad's still involved. <laughs> My dad was super, always has been incredibly yeah. supportive and involved. That's he great. really was, he was my Kickstarter. He literally helped me completely funded that venture of starting that recording studio. Not knowing at all if it would ever make money. My dad was a bigger heart than he was. And, and big, his heart was the biggest, not the, mm. not the biggest financial planner and financial mm -hmm. whiz, right? But he he was so supportive and he helped me put outfit this truck and uh it was amazing um it never made a profit but i certainly got a lot of really great experiences i did sure. some really interesting recordings in the field and all over the place and in the meantime in parallel to all that i ended up meeting a recording uh actually a live sound engineer at a radio station in philadelphia called at the time wysp fm it was the howard stern station um it was the big deal in philly and it was also the Eagles football network for the Eagles team. So okay. um, I got through a friend of mine and through my cousin, actually, to meet this engineer. 
he brought me under his wing to be an intern and go to a few of the games and learn how audio engineering works in the in the radio world, right? Um, field re- field recording and field uh, engineering, and this all happened right around the time of the 9/11 attacks. <laughs> and he had to he quit his job at the station. He didn't want to fly anymore. People were freaked out. So I had two games under my belt of learning his esoterically custom designed rig that he built himself. And the next game, I stepped into his shoes and took over that role, engineering from the field, using wow. ISDN and all this stuff. And it, wow. so it was a total trial by fire. Sure. And through that connection, I met another talent at that station who moved to New York City, who became a full-time voice actor, who needed his first studio set up. So myself, my friend Lane Massey from the station, and I went to New York. I assisted in putting together the studio, just shadowing them. And uh, Howard never forgot me, which was a great thing because when he moved to L.A. and became a big shot promo trailer voice, he remembered me. And when I moved to L.A. in 2004, he he caught wind of that. Um, and he called me and said, can you help me out with my home studio? Nice. That, he's, he's literally, Howard Parker is who I call client zero. Okay. <laughs> he's literally the Thank first you, voiceover <laughs> actor that ever hired me to work on their home studio. And it just blossomed from there it took a while but he told his management about me and mm-hmm. um they told they told rick wasserman and rick robles and melissa disney about this guy who's really great with home studios and those were my first four clients and it just that's where it all started for me and that was in yeah 2004 do you want to sound your absolute best when you're being interviewed on a podcast or when you're hosting your own show I have a podcast episode and free downloadable worksheet called Sounding Your Best as a Podcast Guest off of the audiobrandingpodcast.com main page. Just click on the little square graphic to the left of the player displaying my podcast trailer. It gives you some comprehensive suggestions for where to start or for improving the sound you already have, including the type of microphones to consider and why, ideas for soundproofing your recording environment, and suggestions on how to get the best sound when you're being remotely recorded on services like Riverside FM or Squadcast. Don't let bad audio quality hold you back from being the best podcast guest or host you can be. And of course, if you happen to need voiceover for your intro and outro, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to help. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the the power of word of mouth, right? Like, you do a good job and... This, you know, every voice actor knows that too, right? Do a good job. People spread the word about yeah. what you're giving them. So. Word of mouth. And then the the, the dawning of Facebook, the mm. Facebook era, which is the most powerful word of mouth magnifier on the planet Earth. Totally. All started around the same time. And so my business grew as Facebook popularity grew because it just magnified it. And to this day, I have to check Facebook every single day because people grac- graciously tag me all the time in Facebook groups saying, hey, you should probably talk to George the Tech. Yeah. So I got, you know, I have to check that notifications bell every day and see what's going on. Did I get tagged? I need to respond because sure. Facebook today is still um, the number one driver of, I would say, word of mouth, quote unquote, in, in my that's, business. So it's all about that word of mouth. Yeah, that's fantastic. And yeah, I can imagine uh, a lot of people tagging you, which <laughs> would be a lot to handle. <laughs> I know well, I tag you on a regular basis too. <laughs> and believe me, I appreciate it. But you know, there's there's several of us doing this stuff now, right? So we we'll, the, sure. the the really smart ones that are really good at 
being selfless will say, I can do this and so can, and they will tag me and Uncle Roy and a whole bunch of us, right? Yep. <laughs> and yep. then it's like, who's going to reply with their <laughs> with their information <laughs> first? It's a race to the who can reply quickest. But um, yeah. no, I'm grateful for it. It, it. This business clearly wouldn't happen without personal relationships, networking and referrals. Um, that's how this business came to be. And that's how it will continue to be for for as long as we run. Sure. Yeah. And you have a lot more staff now to help you out with everything. So that's a really great boon there. Yeah. Staff, um, uh, they're all part time. Obviously, they all kind yeah. of are just 1099 where we call them, you know, independent contractors. But sure. they're available to be booked through the website. Under the umbrella of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, it's awesome. It's so great because now I'm not the only one that's available. Other people are available. We're going to start tiering out some of the pricing. So there's different pricing tiers once I figure out how to do that. Um, and there's just a lot more availability now. Um, you know, some of the folks on my team are willing to work weekends. I don't. So there's, you know, there's a weekend people. Yep. Um, so uh, we have uh, Umberto. You know Umberto. Oh, I know Umberto. Yeah. Dude, Hi, he's Umberto. Amazing, right? He's super, <laughs> super multi talented and multilingual, speaking, speaking Portuguese and Spanish. He'll be editing both. this. So, <laughs> dude, he is my secret weapon. Now I can service folks in other countries that speak Portuguese yeah. and Spanish, which covers a lot of people. He's fantastic. So, yeah. you know, we, we're just getting started at this whole being able to support multiple languages and multiple um, costs of living. Yeah. This, this is the tricky part because, mm -hmm. you know, we can't just have a price. It works for U.S. maybe, but it will not work for Hungary. Yeah. You know, it's, we got to have prices that will match different markets. So that's something that's going to be coming for our company over the next year as we figure out how to do that. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, such a great team of people, the nicest people, super helpful and yeah. really, really grateful to have found all of them. I found pretty much all of them through Facebook. Yes, it's very true. Yeah. Uh, Mike McGonigal just helped me out recently over Another a weekend. Awesome dude. <laughs> yeah. Awesome dude. So yeah, that was really, really helpful. But in all of this, so you have your, your mm -hmm. business and all of that settled and, and you have a mission, don't you? What is that mission? Well, we have a, we, I've came up finally with a slogan, four word, okay. a four word slogan, which is voice actor friendly tech. Okay. So... That's kind of the mission in a nutshell, right? Is whatever the technology is, it has to be friendly to the voice actor. Um, there is a million technology systems and solutions out there that are certainly more friendly to the technologist, technologist, or the technical, or the engineer. Um, and that is fine, right? But the problem is many of the voice actors that I work with do not come from a technical background. They come from theater, television, screen acting, or some other type of non-technical background. And the technical learning curve is really intimidating um, it for some. It's not even intimidating. It's debilitating. Mm. So yeah, it'll keep you from starting in the first place. So yeah, yeah. it's and it's there's hard. An incredible cloud of information that, depending on where you come into this business and what channel you come in through. You can either get really lucky and get the right advice very, very early on, or you can spend a couple of years overspending, buying really complicated tools and softwares and getting not all the right advice and getting really, really, really frustrated. So our mission really is to make sure that you're not doing that. 
Um, yeah. You really want to make sure that you're getting the best possible advice. You have the least painful process of operating your, your studio and that the technology should sort of disappear after a while. It, yeah. it, and people are always like, should I upgrade? Should I upgrade? And I always will say to them, is what you're doing right now getting in your way? Mm-hmm. Is the computer getting in your way? Is there something about what you're doing that's pain, a pain point that's slowing you down or frustrating you? That's what we should look at. But if you're using a seven-year-old or 17-year-old $300 microphone and you're booking every day and you're productive yeah. and your clients are happy, do you need to buy a new mic? No. Do you want to buy a new mic? Probably. Um, <laughs> does your, do you think it'll help with your branding? Maybe. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not, there's sometimes you just don't, you can run for years and years and not upgrade a single solitary thing and have a completely functional, great sounding and reliable to use studio. And that's, that's really what we care about. Yeah. You know, I had, uh, I think we, we, we talked about this before. I had the Motu Microbook Silver Box for mm-hmm. years, years. And I loved that thing. It was super clean. It yep. didn't do anything it didn't need to do. It was operated by software alone. It had mm-hmm. nothing on, like the box was, it was just a just silver box. Oh, it didn't even have a dial it on it? It had nothing. Oh, okay, got <laughs> it. It was nothing. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that I had to upgrade that was when I went from a Windows 7 to a Windows 10 machine. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it was probably 32-bit only or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it just wouldn't work. That's the biggest it, heartbreaker. Some of the best uh, equipment made yeah. will last outlast the, the systems that it runs on. There's yeah. another one, the USB, the USB Pre, made mm-hmm. by Sound Devices, American company, very pro quality, built like a field recording device where all the knobs are machined out of aluminum, built like a tank, right? I have two of them, I think. I may still have one or two of them. They are unusable. You can't, you can't plug them into any modern computer. You could plug it into an older Windows 7 32-bit computer, and it will work like a champ. But it is a brick because it will not work on a new computer. And it's, it's so tragic because the hardware is flawless, yeah. great sounding. And that this is the tragedy of some of the equipment out there. When the company decides they can't upgrade or can't, um, it, it just doesn't make sense for them financially to to make those leaps forward in technology. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that is not a bummer. I had the Motu Book 2, which actually mm-hmm. I think had a knob on it. Yeah. And um, everything made by Motu in general, hardware-wise, is a next is another tier better than most of the competitors. Their stuff is really, really made to last, really good yeah. quality. I can't even remember why it was recommended to me, but somehow I got my hand on that, and I never... They're yeah. a quirky company, you know. They they <laughs> they're not that great at marketing. You yeah, do not I don't hear about them, them at all. They're You're not right. in the conversation very much. <laughs> they did come out with a newer series that's a lot more affordable, called the M series. They have the oh, M two yeah? okay. and the M four, mm-hmm. and there's some definite love for those, and people talk about them a little bit. But in terms of yeah, they're just not in the conversation, and it may be because that they're at the entry point. They're still a lot more expensive than the other entry point stuff. So Could maybe be. that's what it is. But yeah. Good quality gear for sure. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast. Andy Wong has this to say, While business owners are likely familiar with branding and marketing, how often does one think of audio or sonic branding? 
Think about the power of a jingle or the mood of a song. It's important because sound can elicit an emotional response for more powerful marketing. Jody is a great guide exploring this topic and interviewing expert guests. As a voiceover professional, Jody's voice is also soothing while you learn. Excellent podcast. Thanks so much, Andy. Your Inspired Money podcast is, well, inspired. So I know you know a thing or two about putting a podcast together, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to write a review. And now, back to the show. When I went to my Windows 10 machine, the very first thing people told me about was the Steinberg, the UR22C. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's a good piece of equipment. Yeah. But... I don't know what it was. I I was not a fan, and I don't I don't know why I wasn't a fan. There was just something about it, some sound, some way that it made me sound. I mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something about it that just mm-hmm. didn't. It wasn't as clear. Definitely mm-hmm. not as clear. And I I couldn't put my finger on what the difference really was. Yeah. And yeah. So I I did been, you go to after that? I, I'm using Fernando's. Uh, uh, his unit. His, oh, yeah, the um, Pod Mobile. The Pod Mobile, yeah, mm-hmm. at the moment, until I get my hand on your new unit, <laughs> which I'm waiting for. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> which we're we can talk that, about. We're all hoping it happens. Oh, <laughs> By really? the time you guys see oh, all this okay, video, yes. we'll yeah. know if it succeeded or not. Okay. By the time well, of this taping, we don't know because oh. it's, a, it's, a, it's a pre-sale, pre-order, group buy kind of situation. Yep. And if we do not hit our goal, uh, it will not exist, Uh-oh. at least in the form that we think it will. It may not, it doesn't mean it won't exist ever, yeah. but it may mean that it doesn't get produced this go around. So we'll see. But again, by the time you're seeing this, we'll know a lot more yeah. about this thing because by the time you see it, we'll probably have had at least a prototype model to run or to play around with. But yeah, the Passport VO is is me and my compadres from the Pro Audio Suite. It's our take on what we think the voiceover actor's audio interface, sort of the ultimate voice actor audio interface could or should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're hoping it's successful and we hope it makes a lot of people's lives much, much easier in their home in their home studio like again it was just that very much centered alone. on actor <laughs> functionality it really takes like a lot yeah. you know have you, have you have you done any live radio broadcasts i haven't no okay you know the, the consoles that they use in radio stations are very 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 purpose-made right mm-hmm. okay and if you've ever seen a picture of one you'll notice they don't have 400 knobs and switches on every channel right? sure they have only what the uh on-air talent needs at that time right it has a fader for the each mic one for the because each cd player well that's all gone now but you know they have very simple interfaces that um have nothing in the way that an on-air talent would need right the problem is that that's what we need for a voice actor right but we need it to be boiled down to a little thing it doesn't need to be a big console we don't have 14 inputs we don't have we don't need all this stuff right so we're taking that mentality of broadcast on, you know, uh, um, it's got to be easy to use at a glance. It shouldn't need much of a reading of a manual at all. The buttons should be clearly labeled with lights to tell you whether they're on or off, which almost so many, so many companies don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's why this unit is, you know, it's pricier than many of the other things that you think of when you look at audio interfaces for voiceover like it's competition, like the Scarlets and things like that. But that's because every little detail has been added in that was, that was left out by everybody else. So 
Hmm. Fingers crossed. We hope we hope that you can get one in your in your hands to yeah. uh, put through its paces. Well, I did see that there was only a very limited amount of them left at mm -hmm. this point. So I'm mm -hmm. hoping. I'm hoping. Here's hoping. Know. Here's I'm, hoping. I'm it looking forward yet. to it. As Michael Goodman, the owner of Centrins, tells, I told all of us in our in this pursuit. He said, "You're going to have a big spike." And then the sales are going to plummet off and level mm -hmm. out. And so if you think you're meeting your goal based on the average per day sale numbers, think again. And he's absolutely right. We watched yep. that exact pattern. So we're like, he's like, you got to keep the fires burning on this. if You want Definitely. this to happen. So it's it's been a process, but uh, yeah. it's been a lot of fun getting to, to co-design a product, an actual physical thing that you can plug into your computer. So sure. it's, been, it's been really neat. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.